Let's go to God's Word this morning. I want to go back to the book of Psalms uh, another time. And this morning, I want us to look at another uh, Psalm of David today, Psalms 55. And we, as we've been looking at these the last couple of weeks, we said that it is said that Psalms is like the medicine cabinet for the soul. Uh, because when you read the Psalms, you see that the psalmist, no matter which, when you read them all, you see that he mirrors every condition or every experience that humans ever go through. And so no matter what you're facing today, guess what? Somebody's already faced that. Somebody's already faced that. And so in Psalms 55, one of the specific setting of this psalm is not told to us, uh, most scholars believe that this was written during the latter part of David's uh, reign as king. And while I'm going to go into detail, greater detail, the context of this psalm later on in the message this morning, uh, I just want you to know that as he's writing this, David was in the midst of what seemed to be an overwhelming situation in his life. It, was, it, it just seemed like everything was falling apart, okay? And we'll get into the, the fight that he was facing in a little bit. But I want you to see this morning in this psalm, David's feelings, the fight that David has, and finally we're going to see David's faith, okay? And so let's start out here in Psalms 55, verse 1 and 2, and let's look what uh, David writes during this time. He says, give ear to my prayer, O God, and do not hide yourself from my supplication. He says, give heed to me and answer me. So notice first and foremost that we see that David has felt like God was distant from him, okay? He felt like that God was hiding from his prayers. You ever felt like that, that when you're praying, that your prayers are not even, when we used to say this, not even reaching the ceiling? Okay, so you're not alone in that situation. David, a man of God's own heart, felt like that at times in his life. And while we are told in Scripture that we are to walk by faith and not by sight, that does not mean that we are devoid of feelings. And probably one of the greatest struggles that we have as a child of God is to walk by faith and not to walk by our feelings. And whether we like it or not, we are emotional beings. God created us with emotions. And anyone who says they're not emotional will just hit your finger with a hammer and just see if you're not an emotional person. Because I promise you, you're going to have some emotions that's going to come out. So we're all emotional beings. And the thing is this, we can be on an emotional high one moment and then feel like everything is falling apart in the next moment. And David at times in his life, he would be so joyous that he could dance before the Lord with all his might. And it would seem like he was never coming down from that mountain. 
And other times he would say, Oh, Lord, how long must I struggle with my anguish in my soul? How long must I have sorrow in my heart? And so as we go through this psalm today, I want you to look at David's feelings that we're going to cover today and see if one of these don't probably cover at least one or more of us in here this morning, okay? Let's continue on. Verse 2, he says this, continue on. He says, I am restless, I am restless in my complaint. Notice what he says here. David is in an agitated state. He's agitated. I mean, he, he just can't get relief. He can't get peace about his situation. And so we see here that David is agitated. Continue on, he says, and I am surely distracted. In other words, that word distracted just simply means this, that David is flabbergasted about this. He's flabbergasted. He's dumbfounded. He, he, he can't figure it out. It, it just makes no sense of why he is going through what he is going through. Then he says in verse 3, because of the voice of the enemy, because of the pressure of the wicked. Now listen. David can't seem to hear God during this situation, but he has no problem hearing the voice of the enemy. Sometimes it's easier to hear what the enemy's saying than it is what God is saying to us. And because of the voice of the enemy that keeps bombarding his mind, David's not only agitated, he's not only flabbergasted. He's also under a lot of pressure. In other words, it feels like the walls are closing in on him. He's found himself in a tight place. Verse 3, continuing on, says, For they bring down trouble upon me, and in anger they bear a grudge against me. So David is troubled. He says in verse 4, my heart is in anguish within me. In other words, that word anguish simply means this, that David is heartbroken over this situation. He's heartbroken. Then he says, continue on verse 4, he says, The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me. In other words, David is terrorized. He is fearful. He's afraid he may die at any moment. He's afraid he may not ever live through this situation. That's amazing to me because the same person that one day is killing giants, the next day running for his life. And as a child of God, one day you're killing giants Next day, you can't hardly get up out of bed. It's just part of living. We see this in David's life here. You know, there was at times in David's life, he would say before we continue on that, in Psalms 34 and 4, he said, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Well, at that time, God did. But you know what? When David's writing this, it's later on. And I just believe that fear is something that a child of God is going to battle from time to time in their life. In other words, you may be brave, and all of a sudden the doctor calls and says, hey, you need to come in, there's something about this report, and you can't tell me fear is not going to come over your life right then. 
that's going to come knocking at your door. I was talking to somebody this week, and as soon as I picked up the, the phone, they said, hey, I got some bad news. Well, that's great. When people call and say, I got bad news, you don't feel joy. Fear starts coming over you, like, what, 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 what is the situation? What, what is going on here? And so we see here, David, at this point in his life, he is terrified, he's fearful. Then verse 55 says this, and horror has overwhelmed me. And so he's also, he's also overwhelmed right now. Think about this. David here is agitated. He's flabbergasted. He's pressured. He's troubled. He's heartbroken. He's terrorized. He's fearful and overwhelmed at this moment. And you thought you were in a mess today. This is where he's at. This is where he's at. And I believe most of us can probably relate to at least one of these probably today or at some point of this past week. What was it that caused David to feel this way? Let's look at David's fight here because, and let me kind of set the setting here of this psalm. Most scholars say this psalm was written uh, during the latter part of David's reign. You especially find this in 2 Samuel chapter 15 through 17. And what was going on in David's life at this time, Absalom... One of David's own sons wanted to be king. And so for four years, Absalom stole the hearts of the people. He would say, hey, you got a good case. Why don't David do something about this? And so for four years, he worked behind the scenes of his own father, David, to turn the hearts of the people toward himself and against David. And so after he got enough people together, he rebelled against his father. And when David heard that Absalom and a group of warriors were coming to remove him from his throne, David felt all these feelings, and David began to run. He said, we've got to get out of here. Not only did Absalom betray him, but we also know that David's closest advisor, Ahithophel, I know we don't, that's a hard word to, to, to say, but Ahithophel, had forsaken David and now had joined up with his son Absalom. So it was during this time of betrayal that David writes about this. And we see this in verses 12 through 14 of Psalms 55. Look what he says here. He says, for it is not an enemy who reproaches me. Because he says, if it was an enemy, hey, I could handle this. Because I expect my adversaries to do adversarial things. He says, no, it is one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me. He says, nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me, then I could hide myself from him. In other words, if it was somebody I knew was against me, I could handle that. But he says, verse 13, but it is you, a man my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. He says, we who had sweet fellowship together, who walked in the house of God in the throng. And so notice this, the fight that David is dealing with, the conflict he's dealing with is from his own family. 
It's one of his own companions. It's one of his own friends. Someone who he had fellowship with. Someone he walked to the house of God with. And let me say this. I got bad news today in, in some respect. As a child of God, you're going to always have conflict in some form or fashion. How many times have you ever told yourself this falsely? If I can just get through this, I can finally relax. And you get through it, and guess what? All it does is open up a new set of problems. All it does is open up a new set of problems. And I, I, I'll be the first to admit, some, some conflict as a child of God is not our own doings. It's not even our fault. But as a child of God, you will always be in some kind of battle. You'll always be in some kind of conflict because we'll always be, first and foremost, at conflict with the world. The world is against us, its thoughts, its values, its system. And so because we are strangers, because we are pilgrims just passing through, you will always be in conflict as a child of God with this world. You also always have that inner conflict between the flesh and the spirit. What you're going to do? Paul says in Galatians, I don't have this up there, he says that these two are constantly fighting against each other. In other words, there's no stop, there's no ceasefire in this thing. They're always fighting against each other. And because we live with other people, where two or more are gathered together, there's going to be some conflict eventually. You understand this? You've got relational conflicts. You've got conflicts with coworkers, conflicts with friends, marital conflicts at times, sometimes even within our own family. Conflict. Proverbs 18 and 19 says, A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. And contentions are like the bars of a citadel. There's not probably a single week or a little bit that goes by that we don't either pray, Lord, thank you for my family, or Lord, why did you give me this family? And I know we want to hear it's over, but this fighting will continue until the day you are called home. You understand that? This battle will not end until you're called home. That's the reason why Paul would say you got to fight the good fight of faith. Even though the gift of faith is free, the life of faith, it is a fight. Now, how does David want to deal with this conflict? Go back up to verse 6 and 8. Look what he says here. I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove... I would fly away and be at rest. Have you ever just said to yourself, I wish I could just fly away from here? I remember when I was growing up, there was a, there was a campaign, and it, said, it was for the product Calgon, right? And the whole thing was this, that this woman, would, she was having all these kids running around, messes in the house, and she would say, Calgon, take me away. And if she could just get some cow gone, it would seem like all her problems just disappear. Some of us this morning, we need some cow gone, don't we? 
David said, oh, I wish I just had some wings and I would just fly away. I'd get out of here. Then he says this, behold, I would wander far away. Verse 7, I would lodge in the wilderness. Now, what's amazing to me is this. David is saying, I wish I could just go back to the wilderness. When you read the story of David in the wilderness, he had a lot of issues in the wilderness. He was a man on the run in the wilderness. Saul was trying to kill him in the wilderness. He wasn't free of problems in the wilderness. And the thing is this, the reason why you can't get away from conflict is because you can't get away from yourself. That's the truth. You can't escape. You can't go back. And he says, verse 8, he said, I would hasten to my place of refuge from the stormy wind and tempest. So David is facing a conflict like he's never faced before within his own ranks, within his own family. And he's saying, if I could, oh man, if I just had some wings, I would fly on away and get out of here. If I could, I'd go back to that wilderness where it seemed like there was nothing that was really bad going on there. But look what he says. We're going to see David's faith here, so it's going to change here in verse 15 and 16. But I want to look at verse 15. For, look, look what David's prayer is here. Talking about how human he is. He prays, let death come deceitfully upon them. Let them go down alive to the grave. For evil is in their dwelling, in their midst. David is saying, Lord, just kill them. Just kill them, Lord. Don't just kill them lightly, but let death sneak up on them. Let them think they're getting away with it, and all of a sudden let the rug be pulled out from underneath them. David wants to see his enemies Go down to the grave. And let me say this. My brother that passed away, he had a statement. He got it, it wasn't his originally, but he would say this to his kids in his class. He would say this, don't react, respond. Okay? Don't react to situations, respond to situations. And what that means is this, when you react to something, that's just your natural impulse to do something. In other words... Uh, and, and when Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, when he says this, he says if someone strikes you on the cheek, turn the other cheek, he's not saying you can't defend yourself. But what he is saying is this, our natural reaction should not be the way the world reacts. Okay? And naturally, when we are hurt, we want to hurt back. Naturally, when we are done wrong, we want to see that wrong done to them and even multiplied if possible. We say things, well, what goes around comes around. I hope, when I, I hope I'm around when it comes back around to you. But when you respond to a situation, it means this. It means that you are taking the situation in 
and you're deciding what is the best course of action in this problem. That's the difference between reacting and responding to something. Now, what does David do here? We're going to see his faith here. Go to verse 16. And then he's, everything changes here because all of a sudden he says this. As for me, in other words, listen, David realizes that he can't control other people. He can't control what they do. He can't control how they handle the situations. He can't control their responses. But David says, listen, as for me, this is what I'm going to do. What does David say here? He says, I shall call upon God and the Lord will save me. In other words, David abruptly switches from praying for their destruction Paul says, I think it's in Romans, and I don't have this up there, but he says in Romans that vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. Okay? And this is what we got to understand as a child of God. A lot of times when we want to get out at people and lash out at people, it's not a, whole, it's not a holy righteous anger. Okay? It's, 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 it's just not. But what Paul was saying in Romans is, listen, Leave your case in the hands of God and he'll, he'll, he'll take care of it because he's just. He'll fix it. It may not be as quick as you want him to fix it, but God will fix it. He'll fix it. And so David says here, as for me, I shall call upon the Lord, <clears throat> upon God, and the Lord will save me. And so David switches from praying for the destruction to declaring a calm confidence in God. Then he says, verse 17, Evening and morning and noon, I will complain and murmur. We got no problem with that, right? And he will hear my voice. Now, what David is doing, he's not complaining to his friends. He's not complaining to his wife. He's not complaining to his advisors. He's not complaining to the people that support. What David is saying is this. Listen, I am going to take my complaint before God. And let me tell you something. God is big enough to hear your complaints. He's big enough. First of all, he already knows them. I believe that's the reason why we should get in our prayer closet at times. Because real prayer goes on in the prayer closet. Now, when we're up here praying, let's be honest, okay? If you're praying out loud, most of the time you're like, first of all, I don't want to mess up. And you're not going to pray something that you don't want to hurt your reputation. Right? I mean, if you don't know where real prayer requests are going on, go to the kids' church. Because if you don't want them to say it, you better not tell it to them. I remember a few years ago that I was told that this was said in Kids' church that a little 
I don't know if it was a girl or boy, I can't remember, but they said, pray for my mama, the pastor's wife's been talking about her. <laughs> now, here's the thing. This little girl was, a vi- was visiting. She wasn't talking about my wife. Okay? <laughs> but I'm just saying, you don't want that kind of stuff out there in the open. Probably most of us don't. But when you get in your closet, so to speak, it's amazing how open and honest that we can get before God. And we're not trying to impress anybody because we just simply say, God, you know my heart, you know what I'm going through. This is my complaint. And this is what David said. David said, instead of talking to other people about it because I think it was Mark Twain that said, he said, listen, don't tell other people your problems because uh, 20% don't care and 80% think you deserve them. (laughs) But David said, I'm going to take my complaint. I'm going to murmur. In other words, I'm going to ask, keep on asking. I'm going to Knock, keep on knocking. I'm going to seek, keep on seeking until the door is finally open. And you know that's a good thing about prayer. Because prayer is a big release in our life. It's a way of releasing our problems, our burdens to the Lord. Let's continue on. He says, verse 18. So David gets in his prayer closet. He says, he will redeem my soul in peace from the battle which is against me. For they are many who strive with me. Now, David said that even in the midst of his battle, that God was going to bring peace to his soul. And let's understand something this morning. Peace is not absent of conflict. Okay? But what peace is, it is the presence of Christ in the midst of the conflict. We think of peace meaning that there's not going to be any problems. No. You will always have troubles. Jesus said in the world, you're going to have tribulation. Paul said there's troubles on the outside. There's pressure on the inside. Everywhere he went, he found trouble. But peace is only understood when the conflict is raging all around. See, while we can't control what goes on out here, we can't control what goes on in here. And this is what David said. David said, he's going to redeem my soul in peace from the battle which is against me. Skip down to verse 22. Look what he says here. So David, in his faith, he calls upon the Lord. And then he makes this statement. He says, cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. Notice what David said. David says, cast your appointed lot on the Lord 
Cast all your situations, cast all your anguish, cast all your cares, cast all your grief upon the Lord, and He will sustain you. Cast them on God. Cast them on God and he will sustain you. You know, in ancient Jewish times, in the Old Testament, Jewish mothers would teach their young children a prayer. Now, most of us, when we were young, we were probably taught to pray something like this. Now lay me down to sleep, pray the Lord so to keep, like that. But Jewish mothers taught their children to pray Psalms 31 and 5, okay? And this is what Psalms 31 and 5 says. It says, Into your hands I commit my spirit. Into your hands I commit my spirit. That's what they would pray every night before they would go to bed. Into your hand, I commit my spirit. Listen, this is the same prayer that Jesus prayed while those around him were saying, hey, if you're really the Messiah, do something right now about this situation. And what does Jesus say? He says, Father, in your hand, I commit my spirit That word commit means to deposit in trust. It means to give in trust. And I know maybe we should be worried about this in the future, but listen, I have never at one time when I get paid go to the bank and go, I hope this is in here tomorrow. I know we may get to that point, but I've got no problem taking my check and deposit him because I just have confidence that when I look on my statement, it's going to be there. That's committing something of yours into someone else, knowing, thinking, trusting that they are going to take care of that. And this is what we got to do. When we are faced with battles, when we're faced with situations that are beyond our control, that, that leaves us agitated, leaves us overwhelmed, leaves us fearful. We've got to get to the point where we say, I'm going to take my case before the Lord. I'm going to commit my burden, commit my lot unto the Lord. I'm going to cast my burden on the Lord. And then he says here, the Lord will sustain you. Now listen, it's not cast your burden upon the Lord and you will never have any more burdens. That's not what he's saying. I know we sing that song, and the burden of my soul rolled away. Yes, it did, but you remember when those other ones rolled up on you later on? I do. It's not cast your burden on the Lord and you'll never feel any anguish or grief again or fear in your life. It's not cast your burden on the Lord and you'll never feel weighed down again. It's cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. In other words, He will support you. He will nourish you in the midst of your battle, in the midst of your fight. And then He says this, 
He, verse 22, he will never allow the righteous to be shaken. In other words, David had hope and confidence because he, were, he was persuaded that his faith did not rest in the hands of those treacherous men, but his faith rested in the hands of God. In other words, David said this, God will still be Lord over all, and God will have the final word of this situation. And we all know, if you read the story, what happens. Ahithophel gives Absalom some advice on what to do. I'm trying to, now I could be wrong on this one, but I, I, I don't think I am. Ahithophel says, you need to go get David now because why he's, why, why, why he's tired, have him killed. Well, some other advisors say, no, don't do that. Wait, and then we'll get him. Well, Absalom didn't follow Ahithophel's advice, and when Ahithophel realized that Absalom was not going to listen to him, the Bible says that he went out and killed himself. Okay? In other words, that's God taking care of the situation. Because we know that even though David was driven from the kingdom, God was not through with David yet. Absalom dies a death. David doesn't, necessarily want, David doesn't want to see his son die, but God works the situation out. And David is rightfully restored to the kingdom. Okay? And so this is what David is saying in this situation. I, I, I can't fix it. I can't make it work on my own. So what I've got to do is I've got to give it into God's hands and let God work it out. And then he says this, not only did he call upon the Lord, not only did he cast his burden on the Lord, but he kept his confidence in the Lord. Verse 23, he says this, But you, O God, will bring them down to the pit of destruction. Men of bloodshed and deceit will not live out half their days. And listen to what he says here. But I will trust in you. I will trust in you. I will trust in you. You. That's what the Christian life is all about. It's walking by faith day by day when it don't make sense, when you don't see the end, that you just simply got to say, even though I'm feeling this way, guess what? I will trust in you. It's not necessarily get over it. It's just simply get on with it. Get on with it. Continue walking day by day, trusting in the Lord. So again, if you're here this morning, she's coming to play them. If you're feeling anguished, you're agitated, overwhelmed, terrorized, you're afraid of something out there, afraid of some kind of event, and if you're you're in a battle and you you got, you, you got a family fight going on. You got to realize that there's certain things you can't fix. 
And so what do you do? You turn your eyes to Jesus. You say, as for me, I will take my burden to the Lord and I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to leave it there. And then when you take him to the Lord, you cast your burden on the Lord, you just simply say, I will trust in you. I'm going to trust God. Doesn't mean you'll never face any more problems. But David would say this, and I'm going to, let me, one more scripture. David would say also in Psalms 31 and 15, same psalm where he says, in your hands I commit my spirit. He would say this in Psalm 31 and 15. David said, my times are in your hand. My times, in other words, my life is in your hand. You are ordering my steps and there's no enemy out there that can keep your plan for my life from coming to pass. And let me tell you something. If we're going to thank God when everything is on the mountaintop, I just believe that God sometimes brings us to the valley. And everything that I go through, God is in charge of it. And we know God is causing all things to work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. It doesn't say everything is good that happens to me, but what it does say is, is no matter what happens to me, God will bring good from it for my life. For my life. Can we stand? Anybody here this morning? Knows exactly what he's saying here. You're carrying around heavy weights that you got no business shouldering on your own. And you just want to say, Lord, into your hands I commit this. Into your hands I commit this. In your hands I give it to you, God. I can't handle it anymore. I, I, I can't. I've tried to work it out. I've tried to fix it. I just can't do it. But I'm going to call upon you. I'm going to cast this burden upon you. And I'm going to keep my confidence in you.